Welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Shane. And this is our weekly Overcrest Rewind where we check out the news and deliver to you what we think is awesome, funny, ridiculous, whatever the case <laughs> yes. may be. But I the have best of. The best of. So I have the bad news for you, though. What's that? The bad news is that there's no Buster Conrad this week. Why? Um, Joel Fetter had B- Buster's press credentials temporarily blacklisted while he tries to figure out what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you listen to last week's news episode, Joel was a little uh, he confused. He was a little confused, so yeah. he, he looked into Buster Conrad, and uh, right. the whole meteorologist thing didn't fly, Uh-oh. so he's he's into it. So no Buster Conrad this week. <laughs> well, hopefully Buster's credentials get uh, whitelisted again. That's true. All right, so I have a little bit of Porsche news for you. Okay. Let me lead it off with a theme song that we're getting used to. (laughs) Here we go. Uh, Once again, we have more Porsche Star Wars news for everybody. All right. Porsche has released a new ad for its electric take on sedan that makes an unexpected crossover into sci fi territory by referencing a scene from the upcoming Star Wars film, The Rise of Skywalker. You realize we're giving them free marketing right now. Yeah. Maybe oh, we should start the whole podcast over and not do this. <laughs> no, I mean, we're just calling out all ridiculous A take-on and a TIE fighter is like, one, is like the one piloted by Kylo Ren. Blah, okay. blah, blah. Kicking up dust, they appear to be rushing headlong towards one another, but they never share a frame. So since they never share a frame, I guess it's pretty clear that they're not going to be in the film together. Well, that's why I was wondering when I saw this teaser, I was like, wait. Is there going to be a take on in the Star Wars film? Not in this dimension. <laughs> no. I, I didn't know if they were going to do like a Mad Max thing where it's like, ooh, clapped out from the past and like some. From somehow, the past on what planet? I don't know. Someone would have had to have taken a take on to another planet. Yeah. Tycon. I was just thinking we are Porsche's pronouncing it Porsche's choice to align the Tycon with the Star Wars franchise invites comparison with Tesla. For years, the latter company has been referencing the 1989 sci-fi parody crappy garbage film Spaceballs with its ludicrous acceleration mode and, and like plaid mode and stuff like that right. too. Plaid mode is also um, from a- which makes high performance blah 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 blah. Um, it's hold on. Do you know what this could be? This could the whole campaign could just be to educate people on the per, the correct pronunciation of Khan like Thai fighter. Do you think that's it? So that's a no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think what it actually is. This is probably not what it is, but this is what I'm going to pretend it is. Mm-hmm. Spaceballs sucked. Okay. It's a terrible Never movie. It. It's not. It's just a dumb satire. It's dumb. It's not. It's. Have you ever watched like old adult films that are basically <laughs> themed towards an original movie? Yeah. Yeah. It's like that, but okay. without any nudity. So it's there's nothing. <laughs> it's not worth it at all. There's like no redeeming quality whatsoever. <laughs> terrible jokes. Not funny. But guess what? It's a parody of Star Wars, which is actually kind of great. Okay. So I mean, Porsches with Star Wars, which is awesome. Teslas with Spaceballs, which sucks. So maybe that's kind of what everybody's getting at with us. I doubt they went that far down that no, thought process. No, no well, I, I think I'm this is a really dumb marketing. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help. Well, I, it, they're just sh- basically sharing marketing, right? You know, they want to get the Tycon stuff out. The Star Wars wants to get Star Wars out. I don't really understand. It's I don't probably because if I was looking at it from Porsche's point of view, I'm thinking, all right, the future, space, spaceships. Star no. Wars, no interdimensional travel, all the stuff that they're thinking. <laughs> Let's put our our car in this, and it's just they're trying to make it seem as futuristic as possible. That's dumb, but it just doesn't. That doesn't help their marketing, their branding, their, their position at all. I don't, I don't understand. It makes it. them seem less serious. It. I mean, let's. I think we might be taking it too seriously. But it's more fun to do it that way, <laughs> which is, which is true. okay. So remember when I talked about a potential for the Hummer to be coming back? Yeah, it's an EV. There's right? a few more details that got ironed out now that the Union Auto Workers have kind of signed a tentative deal. Oh, okay. Which is, I mean, I guess they're keeping a few plants open, closing a couple more. All in all, it ends up adding. So that it was resolved. the The highlights from what I gather is there's going to be nine thousand jobs added in the next few years. Temporary employees that have been there for three years or more are all going to get added to full-time status. Okay. And new employees that come on afterwards are going to make 16 bucks an hour, $16 and something an hour. And that was kind of the tentative deal. And there's a bunch of other plant closures, plants that are staying open, <clears throat> blah, 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 that were part of the deal to keep people's jobs, that kind of thing. Okay. So, but anyway, so General Motors plans to build a new family of premium electric pickup trucks and sport utility vehicles at its Detroit Hamtrak. Hamtrak. Wow. Ham Tram. They got to rename that. Well, Ham Tram. Maybe Ham Tram. We're probably going to talk about him in one of your future history stories. Ham Tram. That's a weird name. <laughs> uh, but beginning in late 2021, possibly reviving the imposing Hummer brand on some of them. Several what, people, what is that brand? The Hummer brand. No, what is it, though? 
It's imposing. It's imposing. Yeah. <laughs> it is an imposing brand. That's why everybody hates it. Uh, the so-called BT1 electric truck SUV program is the centerpiece of a planned $3 billion investment in the plant wow. to make electric trucks and vans and part of a broader $7.7 billion investment over the next four years. Uh, this is basically, this news kind of came out with the uh, UAW settlement sure. that they came out so that they, they kind of leaked that hey we're doing with this plant shut up stop <laughs> like don't worry about it everything's gonna be fine you're gonna be making electric hummers pretty soon yeah um the uh it makes perfect sense to hit the high end of the market in order to generate some revenue that might actually turn a profit auto forecast solutions vice president of global vehicle forecasting sam Fiorani said Fiorani anticipates gm could pitch the new ev hummer with an msrp of 90 to 100 grand, letting wow. it square in the battlefield of the Model X and Rivian's future electric pickup truck. Is that what Rivian's going to go for? That expensive? I don't know. I thought they were cheaper. Basically, but, what they're but even like a loaded like F 150 now is like a 50, 60 thousand dollar truck up more. Really? Yeah, more. Um, putting a Hummer badge on anything is a great idea for GM because half the marketing is already paid for. By who? <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger? <laughs> I think they just mean like it's already such a. a imposing brand it, it's it, it has well, no certainly variety. ubiquitous Maybe making, that's, yeah. making it environmentally friendly is just icing on the cake but here's the thing <laughs> is it though because anybody that cares about anything environmentally friendly is going to see the name hummer and go and still associated no way yeah they're just they're not going to do it it'd be like it would be like uh elizabeth warren staying at the trump hotel it's just not going to happen <laughs> there's no way it's just not possible and i just don't see people that are into the green thing uh-huh doing any of that yeah i don't know all right so the historical vehicles Society, a, I should say, not the, a historical vehicle society has denounced equivocally converting electric cars unequivocally. Interesting. So they're saying, don't take your old yeah, the, whatever. The and Federation Internationale des Vehicules Anciens. That was so pretty good. The ancient International Federation of Vehicles. <laughs> as are they ancient or is it the? Yeah, maybe. Bunch of old guys their on their viewpoint porch. Viewpoint might be. They have issued a statement in which it states that it cannot promote to owners or regulators the use of modern EV components to replace a historic vehicle's drivetrain. So this is super grumpy old man stuff. Yeah, more so than you even. Way more. The announcement come. I've become less grumpy as I've like started to read the news and understand where bit. things are going. I've understood. Basically, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here, but I've kind of kind of reached the point where I I have to be if I mm. want to. Mm, yeah mm. long term everybody that likes cars i've said this before has to accept the in inevitability of this and embrace it however you can if you want to keep driving and if you want the younger generations coming up to care you just have to the announcement comes following a recent flurry of electrified classic vehicles being unveiled from newly launched independent firms including lunas and swindon powertrain who we talked about last week they're the ones with the with mini the, okay yep as well as a host of manufacturer-backed efforts such as Jaguar, Volkswagen, and Renault. There's also an Aston Martin. You can get your Aston Martin fitted with uh, an electric drivetrain. Okay. But it's completely reversible. Oh, so that's So you can have cool. like your old DB or whatever changed to, over to electric. Which and would not be, really impacting the value of it. Right. Because that's probably what these guys are getting at, right? If you convert all of these to electric, you're basically taking away from the historic of it. I can understand that, but it also... So there, let me keep going because okay. we talk about what defines an, uh, a historical car to them. Silverstone-based Lunaz issued a response to the FIVA statement saying, as an industry and as a collective, we must respond to a changing world and that offering an electric powertrain solution to those that desire will ensure the cars we love remain relevant and a present proposition for many years to come. Basically saying, hey, we've got to do this or this stuff is dead. That's, it's as simple as that. Think so? That's what well, that's what he's saying, and I agree with him. You know, if you're thinking not just for yourself but for future generations, my kids' kids aren't going to be driving around in an old 911. They're not. Even if they're not allowed to, would they? Even if they could? I think it'd be novel. It would be very novel, but it would be very unique and rare and rebellious. I don't think it's going to be the norm. Hmm. FIVA acknowledges the benefits of electrification in the classic Hold vehicle sector. Driving around in a classic car today is not the norm. It's very rare. I'm driving You're my thinking, old 911 no, no, today, no. and people are like, Here's the whoa. Thing. You're thinking of here in Minnesota. If okay. you go out to like the southern states and go out to California, there's older cars driving around. Okay. It's, it's, it's only here because they're all gone. They all died. <laughs> they, all they all rusted, rusted away. Death. 
if you go out to California, it's not the the norm, but it's certainly less rare than here. Yeah, I suppose. There's just a lot. There's a lot more out there. The cars lasted a lot longer. You can buy any any type of old car that you ever wanted and drive it around. It's not as special. It's more of a, a fashion statement. Yeah. So there's a fashion statement thing. For sure. Yeah, but it's a cultural it's, it's thing. Not, it's not rare. Okay. Um, FIVA, it, it's really close to FIVA, but we'll go with it. FIVA acknowledges the benefits of electrification in classic vehicle sector, calling attention to likely enhanced performance and compliance. They mm-hmm. say uh, removal of a historic vehicle's combustion-fueled powertrain does not sit. Boy, this is bad English. Does, it does not com- comply with, with FIVA definition of a historic vehicle, nor does it support the goal of preserving historic vehicles and their related culture. So they're basically saying you're not doing anything for historic culture by doing this, which is. Uh, yeah. I, I, although you're seeing the vehicles out there when you may not otherwise. What is the point of a car? <laughs> I'm, I'm seriously what is the point of a car transportation transportation driving yeah if you're not able to drive the car anymore or if it's cost prohibitive to drive the car or you can't even drive the car in the city because you're not you don't have the special license or the or it's not legal for you to drive it there then what is the point of owning it well something tells me the guys at the federation internale des vehicles anciens just like looking at them in their museum if any owner, motor engineer, or manufacturer chooses to make such conversions to a historic vehicle, we would strongly recommend that any changes are reversible with all the original components marked and safely stored. In this way, the vehicle may, if so desired, in the future, be returned to its original state and may once again become a historical vehicle. I can kind of agree with that. Yeah. If you have a... Sig- there's a difference, I think. They say any car older than 30 years, basically. Oh, jeez. So 30 years or older, anything. Where does it say? It's... Uh, uh, a historic vehicle is defined by one is that is at least 30 years old, preserved so and maintained a, in historically correct condition, and used as a means of daily tra- – not used as daily transport. So that would be your pink 1989 Ford Probe that you had would be considered historic by these guys' standards. Well, it was magenta it, or maroon. Uh-huh. It was not uh-huh. pink. But, yes, it would be considered a classic car. It was If, it, if you put collector plates on it, historic. Like, let's, yeah, I can dumb. understand if they're probably talking about more significant cars. Yeah. Like the Jaguar E types and Porsches and stuff like that. But even so, E types are everywhere. Are they? Yeah. They, they made thousands <laughs> of those things. <laughs> I know the internet makes things seem a little bit smaller, but you could go buy a Jaguar E type right now if you wanted. There's probably a whole bunch of them for you to choose from, just like there is 911s. If you want a 911, you can go on right online right now. And well, you, maybe you can afford it, maybe you can't, right. but they're all over the place for sale. None of these cars are very rare. It's not that big of a deal. Do I like it? Would I do it? Probably not. But I understand that we have to kind of go with the flow here or it's going to be over. And we're just going to be the guys sitting on our porch with beer in our hand, yelling at everybody on their electric cars <laughs> as they drive by. I don't want to be that guy. I want to appreciate driving and motoring in whatever form it comes. And as long as I can still appreciate it how I want to. Yeah. That is always the caveat that I talk about. All right, you want to take the next one? Sure. So, Chris, the world's fastest car has been unveiled. Do you remember when we talked about this car? It was the Bloodhound. Yes, it the was Bloodhound SSC. It lost funding, and it was totally defunct and gone. But guess what? It's back. Yes. So the car, which has been developed by the Bloodhound Land Speed Record BLSR team, can travel at a staggering speed of over 500 miles per hour and could break the world land speed record in 2020. That's next year. Correct. Nice job. It's powered by an EJ200 Eurofighter Typhoon jet engine and features precision machined solid aluminum wheels, which are designed to withstand the stresses of traveling at supersonic speed. So on Friday's episode, we talked about uh, tire ratings. What what do you think speed rating these uh, actually? They're not solid tires. machined yeah. aluminum. Whatever. <laughs> tires it's, it's more about be. the. I'm guessing it's more about the bearings than anything else. Yeah, the BSLR team will put the car through its paces at the Hackskeen Pan Desert Racetrack before attempting to break the world land speed record next year. Okay, so this thing, this engine on this thing has, um, stage one. Is 23, oh, this is a different. Is it pounds it's of thrust? It's around 20,000 pounds of thrust. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, I think that'll probably do the trick. How does that translate to horsepower? 
It's always hard to translate thrust or spout. Yeah, I don't know. I'll try and figure it's it out while you do this. There. All right. So uh, one of the key objectives of the test will be to see how the car behaves when slowing down and stopping, having reached such huge speeds. I suppose once you're at 500 miles an hour, it's the stopping that can really be a problem. Yeah, exactly. This stuff is really dangerous. Jesse Combs, of course, just died doing this not too long yeah, ago. Yeah, so she was trying to break a record. She I think she was going a little over 400 miles an hour when her car broke up. Wow. It was a similar jet-shaped car. Yep. Yeah, it was one of these land speed. Yeah, she did uh, um, She was on overhauling. She was. She also was a member of, like, the Welders League or stuff. She had a whole line of, like, welding gear for sure. girls and women. She was super cherry. She was cool, yeah, for it's, sure. It's, so this is... I'm just... I want to talk about that because it's dangerous. This is really dangerous. Anything, almost anything goes wrong, you are dead. So it is. it is really calculated stuff that these guys are doing we talked about this two years ago and they're still working on the car true that to just try show, and even make the run goes to show how much development needs to go to it so right. uh, speaking of this attempt driver andy green will be behind the wheel having driven a previous version of the car in news query in 2017 mark chapman bloodhound lsr engineering director said quote new quarry was all about getting up to speed and finding out how quickly we could get the engine to full power and accelerate using max reheat quote andy was on the throttle for two seconds to reach 200 miles per hour in eight seconds so basically he was like and then Wow. 200 miles an hour. I can't figure out how to convert thrust to horsepower. It's extremely complex mathematical <laughs> equations. It's all about time. It's like time and distance. Right. And yeah, it, because it, it's horsepower is actually a measure of power over time. Right. So this is a different Anyways, measure of power uh, over time. Quote, here at the Hackensipan on a 10-mile track, we can accelerate for much longer, achieving higher speeds and investigate the car's stability, performance, and drag, all crucial as we move towards setting a new world land speed record. We know we need to know the prop efficiency and the velocity of the props to determine well, the these horsepower. Don't have props. Yes, they do. It's still a jet engine. They still have a prop. A propeller? Like yes. an, it's not a propeller plane, but you still have to have a way to suck the air in one side and shoot it out the other side. Sure. That's why you have, well, it's a turbine, you would think. But the equation is thrust equals five hundred and fifty times BHP times prop efficiency divided by velocity. Yeah, I don't know all that. Yeah, I have no idea. This guy. Uh, one of the key pieces of technology at this test track is the low power wide area network IoT remote sensor array, Chris. This system uses stations every one kilometer along the track, which record wind speed and direction, which are, of course, key when the car is going at such high speed. Right. Peter Carney, a spokesperson for Digital Catapult, the firm behind the technology. <laughs> what Digital Catapult. Anything that comes out of a catapult, catapult either breaks something or breaks. I don't or think is that, awesome. That's true. Digital catapult. catapult. Yeah, but that's a lot of broken stuff. So that's it. digital catapult. I just think of watermelons getting chucked like a mile in the air and exploding. I made a trebuchet when I was in high school. I made a 12-foot tall trebuchet, which is a type of catapult. And we launched like melons what am i thinking of the musk melon thing a cantaloupe cantaloupe thank okay. you we launched those like hundreds of yards it was sweet and i bet broke um did it break violently yes yeah. <laughs> there was like 300 pounds of weight on the end i like it yeah uh so digital catapult the firm behind the technology explained quote the car is aiming to go faster than any other land-based machine built thus far digital catapult may be not the best name <laughs> oh you just said that <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry this is what happens when jake's Reads a puts together a new story I wrote. That's, that's good. All right, so solid state batteries are coming. So so lithium ion batteries have been around for like a little over twenty years. Okay, and they're kind of getting to this point where it's like, eh, what do we do? What do we? We can't really. They can't accept a charge much faster than this without having heat problems and explosion problems. If you put one in your baggage, they won't let you on the plane because they explode. They're dangerous. Well, that so, and your Samsung phone and your vape pen can both explode. That's due what to I, the yeah, that's what I'm saying. Battery. Yeah. So, so what is a solid state battery? So a solid state battery is kind of. It's basically metal. Ah, oh boy, I'm not very good at this. I wish you wouldn't ask me that question because now I seem on, ridiculous. Chris. I'm just going to read this to you, and then we'll talk about what a solid-state battery is later when I can just read it to you. But here's the thing. We've gone from, in 2017, solid-state batteries, from what I was reading, are 5x5 five five millimeters. Okay. Okay, so now we're in 2019, and Toyota is saying they're going to have a car to show us by 2020. So this is 
So either they're going to be really, really teeny batteries. It's going to be a huge array of these tiny batteries is kind of what I'm thinking. Right now, these little batteries like run sensors and stuff for temperature sensors that are out out in the world and stuff like that. So they're not very useful yet, but they accept a charge really, 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 really fast. And they're also high density. So you could get uh, a charge as fast as it takes you to fill up your gas tank and then go 500 miles. So a solid state battery is a battery technology that uses solid electrodes and solid electrolyte instead of the liquid or polymer gel electrolytes found in a lithium right. so ion or have, a lithium or polymer. Metal plates, you have an anode and a cathode and the voltage travels between the two, I believe, and that's what ca- causes the electrical current and the electrolyte that's in the battery. That's kind of what I think. I'm sure our resident electrical engineer, if he's listening to this right now, is screaming at his his car right now telling me i'm wrong but it's far less volatile it's basically the, interesting it's basically i don't want to say it's like a lead acid battery but it's kind of like that it's it's not yeah so the advantage is that solid state batteries have a higher energy density up to two and a half times greater energy energy density that's what i just said but you weren't listening. Well, I was reading, so no, I didn't hear that. <laughs> yeah, so they hold way more. Did and then you say 2.5 times? I did not. See? I did not say it. So the, like I said, up to 500 miles, they would charge instantly. So um, as the name suggests, solid-state batteries use a solid electrolyte instead of liquids or gels. The result is they are less prone to overheating or fire, are much denser, meaning less weight and higher capacity. They're better for fast charging. As a gauge, a solid-state battery similar in size to a current lithium-ion battery could deliver a range compatible to that of a conventional gasoline-powered car. We're talking close to 500 miles in a single charge. The holdup is that they're still very expensive to manufacture on a mass scale. So Toyota basically partnered with Panasonic, and they've been trying to do this for like three years. Okay. This is the cutting-edge stuff. I don't know if this is better than a hydrogen car or not, but in terms of being able to— Hydrogen cars aren't going to work. Why? Because they explode terribly. Any puncture of that tank that's under like 30,000 PSI of hydrogen. Wait, hey, what was the the uh, uh, big airship, the thing that, that exploded? The, it's called the Hindenburg. Yeah, that didn't end up well. <laughs> Are you thinking and that it's wasn't gonna, even under pressure. <laughs> Are you think it's going to be the Hinden car? <laughs> the humanity! Oh, the humanity! I'm sure we can come up with a fuel tank that's that's safe enough to do this, that can be crushed. I'm sure we can come up with something. Right now, you can get hit by a truck and your gas tank doesn't. Get yeah, because it's expl- it's it, it's not under pressure, right? And gasoline is not that volatile by itself. Correct, you are correct. So, but lithium is volatile. The entire program with them is about keeping them cool, safe, and not blowing up. Um, we'll see what happens with these. You know, it's way down the road, twenty twenty five, twenty twenty six. But hey, here's the deal: if these get into cars. This is going to eliminate one big hurdle for people where they're, oh, I don't know, range anxiety, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You could actually go home, plug this thing in at night, and it'll be fully charged in the morning. You don't have to wait like eight or 12 hours. Yeah, but trickle you charging still it. need a higher capacity charging network. You can't just plug this into your 110 outlet. You can. Why can't you? You can plug it a Tesla. It will take longer, though. Yeah, but it will charge much faster than a current battery does. They can accept a charge faster that's the point they charge i feel up. like hmm i would like to talk to our engineer about this yes they can accept it but that doesn't mean it's going to make the minimal trickle of flow from a 110 charge it any faster yes it will <laughs> i'm skeptical because okay. i don't think you know any more than i do about what you're talking i about. did read a little bit they do accept to charge faster that's okay. why you can go to you can fill them up in minutes rather than like 10 15 yeah, minutes because it probably accepts a so you might be right. Huge you might amount be, you might be of right. voltage. All right. Like 21, 2.21 gigawatts. Yeah, probably not. All right. All right. So the German parliament, parliament has. Re- it says nine. <laughs> nine speed limits. The German parliament rejects Autobahn speed limits. Nine. Germany's parliament, the Bundestag, they finally did something right. You know, with all the sound stuff that they, you can't have a loud car, you can't speed anymore, except for on the Autobahn, where you can still do whatever you want as long as you're not street racing. Germany's parliament, the Bundestag, has voted against a bill proposed by the Ger- the Greens, of course, that would have introduced a speed limit of 80 miles per hour on the nation's highways. Out of the 631 votes cast on Thursday, 498 voted against the proposal. That's hmm. pretty overwhelming. Yeah, it is. That's, that's serious. All members of the far-right AFD and the business-friendly FDP parties rejected the bill, and just two members from each of the center-left and conservative parties voted for the proposal. There were only a handful of abstentions. Who are those cowards? Mm. <laughs> I don't want to go on the record. <laughs> Those who want to make motorways safer and, and the traffic flow more smoothly must back a speed limit, the Green Party guy told the German press agency DPA. The federal government, a coalition of Chancellor Angela Merkel's conservative party, 
uh, ruled out an Autobahn speed limit during talks on how to curb emissions in January. At the time, the Environment Ministry said the measure could do little to shrink Germany's carbon footprint. I was reading anywhere between 5 and 7%, which, if you really think about it, is quite a bit. Yeah. Um, but I don't, you know, you think... <laughs> I'm just trying to put this into perspective a little bit when it comes to pollution. We've maybe we talked about this, but you know one of those big ships that goes across yeah, the ocean. That's the main. The, 230 tons of garbage fuel a day. A wow day. 400,000 pounds of crappy gas every day. Wow. And we're worried about like 7% from cars that are already not doing very much. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, As I said, bring back sailing ships. Uh, probably not going to be okay with people that are here waiting for their Amazon Prime stuff. Do you know that I've made a concerted effort not to buy stuff from China anymore? I know you have because I'm you done. went on this diatribe about finding old vintage American-made shirts. <laughs> yes, I did because every, <laughs> I wanted to buy a flannel shirt. And every flannel shirt I looked at said made in China or it said imported and I couldn't figure out where it's from. I don't care if it's from anywhere in the world as long as it's not from China. Imagine if you had a guy that lived across the street from you uh -huh. and he beat his wife, was terrible to his children, and was just an all-around, didn't mow his grass, just had a crooked mailbox. This guy was just a total jerk. Would you buy anything from that guy? How much cheaper is it, Chris? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know. I just can't do it. Just because he's oceans away, I just can't do it. All right. So we have found out that watching a street race is a crime, which we kind of already knew a little bit with these sideshows. But oh. now they're deciding that they're going to arrest all the spectators. Oh, geez. So an Instagram post shared Sunday night shows dozens of alleged participants sitting on a sidewalk under the supervision of a California Highway Patrol officer and also tags various Instagram users allegedly involved in the bust, most of which have set their accounts to private. According to the post caption, yeah, I try to find them like looking at these people, like trying to figure out what kind of people are doing this? Who is doing this? And it looks like pretty scummy people <laughs> generally. Doing what? So describe exactly what happened. So they what they do is they block off the street. Okay. They park their cars, block off the street. A bunch of people stand there. They get out of their cars. They run up and they watch cars do donuts or street race, whatever. And then they all get back in their cars and they run away. And they're called like meets. It's like <laughs> OC meets or whatever it, whatever it is. OC the, meets? Orange County. Oh. According to the post caption, the takeover took place in the city of industry. That'd be... Where do you live? I live in the city of industry. That sounds nice. Yeah, probably not. Being productive. Doing this. California resulted in 78 vehicles being towed for spectating. So they towed their cars just, just for, for spectating. What if you were like the poor person that had their car in the lot and like was just coming to I'm work from I'm the sure night shift? I'm sure they matched the registrations up and were like, hey, what's your registration? And they probably went over All there. Right. It's probably a pretty big deal. Um, the meetups, which usually involve several cars shutting down a public road to perform stunts, have grown in popularity and have become a big safety risk in recent years. Basically, what they do is the dumber of something you do, the more notoriety you get on social media and the more people follow you on social yeah. media. Um, several social media accounts appear to exist for the sole purpose of coordinating these meetup meetups to block off streets, which officials say makes it even harder to stop the activity. Other accounts glorify the stunts by gathering and posting videos from users that intended. And it's usually what it is, is these videos are some slummy rap music. I just sound like an old white guy right now. But it's like some slummy rap music with full of profanity. <laughs> Get off my lawn, yeah, yeah, yeah. you darn Get out kids. of my boat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it, I don't know. I just, I can't really. Oh, we should hear. Get out of my boat. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know, man. It just seems really irresponsible. <laughs> <laughs> because you never did anything irresponsible in a car back in your day. Not like this. No, I agree. I didn't grab I my agree. Mustang and like hang out of the window and do drifting and, and reach out and as a spectator, try and reach out and touch the car and get in and stand on it and just really weird, dangerous stuff. Huh. Um, it's, it seems like a total echo chamber of idiocy. Like these dudes are just like building each other up and just it's. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, Part it's of the me worst of car culture like for me. Social Darwinism. Let it happen. No, because it does endanger others. These are public roads. If they were just like if they just had their own parking lot and they were doing it, whatever. But this is they're but closing then, out public streets and then our medical system and insurance system also has to pay for their yeah. Debauchery. It's a pretty small group of guys, so I don't know how much. All right, so good news, Jake. What's that? The Harley Livewire is back into production. I didn't know it wasn't. So the the uh, Harley Davidson's revolutionary electric motorcycle, the Livewire, is back. The problem that caused production to cease a week ago. So they were like, that's it. We're done. We're not making these anymore. And they didn't tell anybody anything. Oh. 
nothing. I mean, they were like, yep, we're not making them. Everybody's like, what? What, what happened? happened? It was, we don't know. Okay. The problem was limited to a single motorcycle, a spokesperson said in an email sent on Friday without disclosing what the problem actually was. So something went terribly wrong on one model. Right. And they're uh, like, I'm uh -oh. guessing it blew up or something yeah, with the battery. Something or, blew up and they're like, hold on. Temporarily stopping live wire production allowed us to confirm that the non-standard condition identified on one motorcycle was a singular occurrence. Harley-Davidson ceased live wire production and warned others not to charge at home, but to instead use dedicated chargers located at the dealers. So basically something was up with the battery and the charging system. Yep. Some There's a Harley out there that burned to the ground, Yeah, is my guess. Owners should see about, what do you think of this thing? You get 146 miles of range. It's um, not a long range. No, but for you, when have you ever driven? I guess you did take yours up on that trip. Yeah. But mm, I know. For Harley guys, it doesn't seem like it's that great because it's, I, no, it's the wrong I always mate. see Harley guys as the guys that go out on their little road trips and they go cruising around yeah. for like days at a time. It just doesn't so seem like a good fit. So if you ask me what they should have done, Harley, I believe, still owns the Buell namesake. Right. I was just going to bring up They Buell. should have made it a Buell. And that should have been their electric range is the Buell. It's always been sporty, funky, different. I wonder, So the guy that... Uh, Started Buell, Mr. Buell. That's right. his name. Yeah, it's like David Buell or yeah. something. He can't even use his own namesake know, as but, a brand. But does he still have some ties to, does he still have some rights? Because it seems like such an he obvious thing. He has another uh, motorcycle like line he's making right now. I'm just actually. wondering if the agreement that he made with Harley is that he maintains some sort of voting right in whatever happens with the name. Harley still owns the name. He can't use it, but maybe oh. he still has to say, because it's such an obvious thing to do, what you're saying is to use the Buell to to run your electric line. It's so obvious. No, that, I don't know. I don't know. So how much? These things are 30 grand. Yeah, they are not cheap. 30 grand. That's the same as a Tesla Model 3. <laughs> yeah, you're right. For a motorcycle. Yeah. No way. How much is a? How much was your Harley? Eight grand? Yeah, eight or nine. So $20,000 more than yours? There's no way. The margin on that must be out of control. Mm. Mm. I think those batteries are expensive. Not that expensive. They are not. For the amount of batteries that allow you to go 70 miles on a motorcycle, True. there's hardly any batteries in there. True. The most expensive part of these things is the battery, but it's there's no way. There's no way. Yeah, they don't make sense yet. All right, so Cardi B, you know who Cardi B is? I know she's like a singer or something? She's like, uh, yeah, she's like a singer or something. This is me being more old white man, like not understanding. <laughs> well, I'm not any better on this. Uh, so she's going to save the Fast and Furious franchise. Oh, no kidding. It seems the cast of Fast and Furious 9, 9. That's really why I wanted to bring this up is we're on Fast and the Furious 9. Is gaining another member, reports Cardi B will appear in the latest film of the popular franchise. The news broke after actor Vin Diesel shared something, blah, blah, blah. So I just watched Fast and the Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw or Shaw and Hobbs it, or whatever it was. I'm going to guess on a scale from one to ten, that movie gets a three. Yeah, about there. It's just it's so it's like a satire of itself already. Because they go so over the top on every single thing. So, like, there was, like, a motorcycle how in it that's, like, a transformer. It's, like, they're how trying to... How cool would it be to have Fast and the Furious 9 be grounded? Yeah. And be legit and be kind of, like, dirty and grungy and not... I mean, they're sticking to this formula that's... Making it, money, obviously. The formula, obviously, is making money. But since day one... It's been over the top, and then it yeah. it started to get more and more and more. But then it spiraled out of control, right? It's just snowballed into this. There's submarines coming I up know. through the ice. And, so why yeah, do we they bring said it back the first to, one was like street racers. From then on, they're like mercenaries, and then they're like working for the CIA. And now it's just so it's we're nine so movies dumb. in. It's twenty years ago, twenty something years ago, twenty one years ago. I was like eighteen, nineteen years old mm -hmm. when the first one came out. I think we're at the point now where we can have Vin Diesel's kid come start into the movie. Start a different start one. Start a different one. Come in. Maybe maybe we kill Vin Diesel. Maybe we kill him off, right? Vin Diesel's dad. He dies in a street well, racing accident. Some of these accidents. guys have to at some point be like, yeah, I'm kind of done with this now, guys. Does he need? He doesn't need any more money. At some no. point, just stop. So Vin Diesel dies. His kid finds that Dodge Charger. Ooh, I like it. In the garage. Dusty. Well, it'd be beat up because it, it rolled. Yeah, remember? yeah, it's all beat up. It's yeah. rolled. It never got repaired. And it would be like really gritty, like drive. 
with Gosling. Yes. And where it's just dark and he's and he needs to avenge his father's death. Like he died in a street race and someone got him. But he's got to like go into this to find out who did it. He's got to get into the at, at the ground level of the street racing scene. So he buys like an S2000 or something. Right. And then he goes out and drives around in this S2000 that's basically stock and tries to tries to win. But he doesn't have any money. So then he maybe wins a couple races and starts putting money into the car. No, they race and, for slips. That's what you do. Yeah, gonna race for pink slips, Chris. But he can't do that because he just this is his only car. It's <laughs> now he's just got. making it boring again. No, it needs to be grounded. <laughs> it needs to be gritty. It needs to be him versus himself, not him versus submarines. Yeah. And him versus helicopters. Just bring it back. Bring it to this. Not bring it back. Bring it way back. <laughs> way more basic than the first one. And just have it be Fast and the Furious X. Where it's not even 10, it's X. So it's like it's 10, but it's not. Apple did it. It worked for them. <laughs> I don't think the audience that now is a, a, they're basically subscribing to the Fast and Furious franchise. That's me. They I'm would the audience. not like that type of movie. I don't know, man. Look what they did with Batman. You know, Batman for a while when you had like Val Kilmer as Batman or whatever it was. It was really or, dumb. Or Michael Keaton. Yeah. And it was all like cartoony and bright right. colors. And then they came back and they brought Batman with, uh, what's his name? Uh, I keep wanting to say Bateman from. <laughs> if, if, it is, oh, I can't think. It's yeah, Bateman Psycho. from American Psycho. He's, he's Batman and it's this dark. Even Ben Affleck, it was still darker and it was amazing. It was so good. Because it was a dark film, and now you have the Joker film, which came out. Yeah. And that's also a really dark film. You know, that's the problem with some of the Marvel movies is they're too, woo, you know, they're too happy and fun and funny, and they're good, but they're like an amusement park versus... Uh, oh, let me, speaking of which, like, happy, funny, fun. So this Sean Hobbs one had both Ryan Reynolds in it as, like, playing... Ryan Reynolds, Let's. I like him, but he's a one-dimensional actor. All he does is he plays himself, like the kooky Deadpool guy, right? So right. it had Ryan Reynolds in it. It also had Kevin Hart in it. <laughs> Again, kind of one-dimensional, just playing himself, like, kooky, hey, yeah, I'm Kevin Hart. I'm short, but I'm really kind of loud. And so... Uh, well, it's Christian Bale. Thank That's you. That's it. Christian that Bale. He's one of my favorite actors. I don't know. Sometimes when I do this podcast, I get, like, so... My brain is, like, on the chair over there somewhere. Um... <laughs> I just I would like to see it just be like this dirty, grounded film. There's that's the only way to do it because you can't you can't one up a tank on the freeway. <laughs> well, this one they had helicopters that were attached to like Broncos and stuff. <sighs> Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa! The helicopter was the Bronco was a helicopter. No, the Bronco tried to put. I like, believe you. Yeah, that's yeah, the yeah, problem. Yeah. And <laughs> my my good buddy actually was on set while they were filming this. Oh, okay. no, I do. But they had this scene where, like, the bad guy's chasing all the locals in, like, their lifted 4x4 trucks. And so the guys take chains and throw it at the helicopter to try to, like, ground the helicopter. But the helicopter just lifts up a line of cars attached to each other. Come on, man. Yeah. And they all had nitrous. So they flipped the nitrous on and then finally made the helicopter crash. With the nitrous? With the nitrous. How? Because it, the, just, it made them that just, much more powerful. They were, <laughs> they were able to pull that much harder. See? How much better would it be <laughs> to have a kid walk and find that charger in the garage? Like, it that's be, the only scene you need of the movie, and it'd be cool. Yeah, this kid walks up. He's 17, just opens the garage. and just, Remember when Dom is in the movie with, uh, what's his face? Paul Walker. Paul Walker. I don't remember his name of his garage, character, though. And he's talking. What's, the, what's his character's Brian name? Spielman. Brian Spielman. This, Brian, like this is my dad's charger, and it scares me. And then we could have this scene that's kind of like that scene from the first one where he's maybe it's his girlfriend or his best friend. He's like, this was my dad's charger. He's gone now. It scares me. And it could be this whole thing. It could be amazing. It could be so good. Cast me. Do I, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> no, cast me. Let, put, bring me on as an advisor. consultant. How about I, that? I will be a consultant to make sure that movie does not suck. I promise. Okay. On All that right. Note. So Motor Trend has dynoed the new Corvette. Now I've got this blacked out because I, okay, so we they've already released power the horsepower numbers. numbers. Yeah, but that's Chevy. Okay, has released so horsepower now, numbers. So you know horsepower numbers vary, right? Yes. Okay, so sometimes things are underrated, sometimes they're overrated, right? And you never exactly know where things okay. are going to lie when so, you actually get them out on the. So dyno. first of all, what did Corvette list the official? Four hundred ninety-five horsepower, four hundred seventy pound-feet of torque. What do you think it did on the dyno for Motor Trend? So, it, uh, I mean, are they? Basically, just guess. It's a 400. dyno. 400. 
on the dyno, it put down on, on the dyno. So this is at the wheels. Well, that's what I'm wondering if they it's calculated. The okay. we, we'll calculate both just okay. for a sake. 558 horsepower. Are you 515 pound feet of torque? And these guys were so mystified. They didn't know what to do. So they did it again in fifth gear because they thought that might be the um, closest one to one ratio. But they did some math and that's 650, 15% drivetrain loss. Yeah. Now, granted, this is like a dual clutch type uh, gearbox. So there might be less than 15% drivetrain loss. But five, right. 656 crank, 606 torque oh, at the crankshaft. Boy. So it was underrated. <laughs> Massively underrated by, what is that, 150? Like fifty, like yeah, one hundred and fifty around one hundred and fifty horsepower. They couldn't figure it out, so then they did it again. A couple of days later, the engineers provide uh, the engineers at Corvette provided Motor Trend two reasons for the discrepancy of power. Okay, the first one is that when the Corvette is cold, it actually produces more horsepower than when it's hot. And Motor Trend went, "What? <laughs> I don't understand." So they couldn't figure that out. Um, Chevrolet certifies most of its engines through SAE International, the Society right. of Automotive Engineers, which is BHP. That's how we find out what BHP yep. is. Um, we did some math with this a long time ago with our mm -hmm. cars. They follow a strict set of rules and standards to determine the horsepower and torque ratings. In other words, the SAE acts as an independent party that that's present during the engine test and is the one who determines the final output. So they do a lot of stuff for GM. Like a lot of GM cars go to SAE. I think um, some of uh, Chrysler's cars go to SAE as well. Sure. It's kind of an American thing. Um, the testing does not involve a simple pull from idle to run line. So when we think of going to the dyno, you're like, yeah, let's do this. You hop your <laughs> shake, yeah. yeah. You put your car in the dyno, throw it in third gear. They yep. usually put it in third gear, yep. and then they just rip it. Wah. Yep. Um, rather here, they, the RPMs are slowly ramped up and allowed to stabilize before accelerating further. This process results in significantly more heat generation than any single pull from motor trends six dyno runs so they're saying that that might account for some of the lower numbers is that the engine was a little bit hotter when it was on the I sae have dyno a different... but 150 horsepower i don't know do you want to hear my sneaking suspicion yeah it's so that when they release the whatever i don't even what is the top of the line stingray model whatever called z06 or right, something z06 model so that they can then release the not understated numbers what the actual are on top of the understated, it'll look like a much bigger increase in power. Yeah, but everybody knows now that they're underrated. Yeah, but sticker will still say, you know, well, this one's 490 versus this one no, is. No, because they could have engineered it to have You're right, they could have just, yeah. They just could have engineered it that way. You're right. My thought is, if yeah, if they wanted it to have 150 less horsepower than a Z06, they just say, okay, we're going to run this much timing. That's where that horsepower right. number is. They're not stupid. Right. So Good point. Maybe what they're doing is being like, <laughs> we're underrating the hell out of this thing. Yeah. Bring it. You know what I mean? Like it could yeah. be like a, you know, this is Good point. This is a pretty crazy engine. Just wait till you see what we're actually capable of. Yeah. Um, so the dyno uh, that Motor Trend used complies with the SAE procedures and Motor Trend has used it multiple times in the past. To prove there wasn't a problem with the dyno, they ran a 2020 Ram 2500 limited powered by the 6.7 liter turbo diesel Cummins engine, which produces 800 pound feet of torque, but is not SAE certified. The dyno read 760 foot pounds at the wheels, which means, or pound feet at the wheels, which means there's about an 890 pound feet at the crank, much closer than Ram claims. So there was only a, like a 40 pound foot difference there. Right. Okay. So it's basically going, yeah, it's it really accurate. did yeah. make that much power. So will the product, this was VIN number 10. This is the 10th one. So this is an okay. early production car. Right. Do you think that when the cars come out, they're going to have... Whatever this six hundred and fifty horsepower. Six hundred and fifty horsepower for for fifty grand. Cars are just crazy though, because read what you just breezed over. That Dodge Ram has eight hundred and fifty <laughs> pound pound feet of torque. It's a you diesel. You didn't even skip a beat at that. Yeah, but that's it's a, a production truck. Diesel. Still, numbers are just nuts these days. Yeah, you can that's that's you wouldn't have any problems pulling stumps out of your yard with that thing, I don't think. Hey, I didn't have a problem with it. The stump broke because there was that much torque. <laughs> if you're referring to my stump debacle of 2019. <laughs> yes, I am. Okay. All right. So there's a reason I want to bring this up because I have a kind of a love <laughs> affair with these engines. But um, Yamaha, did you know Yamaha was building cars? They built engines. Right. But did you know that they were working on cars? They were building like several cars, like electric cars. No. They've completely abandoned it. Okay. Um, 
But here's the point. Is, do you remember what engine was in the original SHO Taurus? Yeah, it was a Yamaha, Yamaha tuned V6. Three liter or 3.24 valve. 24 valve made 220 horsepower. Now, here's the deal. My girlfriend at the time in high school, her dad, her, I guess it would be her grandpa worked with Ford so that her dad could get whatever Ford he wanted. Sure. Just, I want one of these. And they'd be like, okay, just pull it right off the line mm -hmm. and give it to him. So he, what he ended up with is they didn't have any SHOs left, mm -hmm. or as everybody will call them, the show, right? Right. They didn't have any shows left. So he somehow finagled his way into a show motor in a regular Taurus off the production line. Serious? Yeah. And I got to drive that thing. And that thing was the wildest one-wheel peel <laughs> vehicle you've ever been. So these things had 220 horsepower. But the, like my young mind. Oh, yeah. The thing well, it's had, all relative. The because thing what had did a stock tours make? Like I, At the time, the vehicle I was driving around, my vehicle yeah. was a 1.6 liter rabbit diesel with 40 horsepower. Yeah. So, so getting into a show and just going... You hit the gas, there's no trash control. <laughs> it would just spin the tires and take off. And I remember the gas pedal just being like this. It was almost just like a screen door opening and closing with no piston on it. It was just this lazy, <laughs> like you just do whatever you want with it. So <laughs> pathetic, had no feel whatsoever. Yeah. And the thing just did super burnout. So I just wanted to tell that story. And this gave me I an excuse it. to do it. Um, had a lot of fun in that car. A lot of fun in that car. It was a good car. <laughs> good to know. <laughs> so a man, this is the way you do it. So if you want a new turbo in the family, uh -huh. this is what you do. If I want a new turbo in the yeah. family. Yeah, if you need a new turbo for a vehicle that's in your family, this uh -huh. is how you do it. A man has successfully proposed to his girlfriend using a turbo. <laughs> Explain. Proposing to your significant other is a special and intimate occasion that marks a life-changing event. Now, how did you propose to your to your wife? Um, so do you actually want to know? There is a story behind yeah, it. Yeah, make it like, let's trunk it. I'll trunk okay. it mine. Yeah, uh, she was up in medical school up in Duluth. So I went up one weekend. I had a limo pick us up from her place and then drove Ooh, down she to- She knew, man. With the limo oh, yeah. pulled up, she's like, oh yeah, we're getting hitched. <laughs> and then drove down to uh, the beach there where I had 300 candles spelling out, marry me. Oh, in wow. The sand. Do you have a picture of that? Somewhere. Somewhere, that's cool. Um, For Jess- what I did is I took her down. I had to pick up the ring, which was in Milwaukee. Um, I knew I knew somebody that owned a jewelry store, so I got a, a slightly better ring than I would have been able to afford at 22 years old or whatever I was. Oh, my gosh. And uh, <laughs> so basically what I did is I from the door handle to my parents' house, I tied a string. Mm -hmm. And then I it was like 200 yards of string. So the string like went and tied like all over the yard and every like 10 feet or so there was like a note of a reason why I love you or whatever. Yeah. And then it, the string went into the ground and there was a shovel <laughs> and I made her. How, bare, how deep did you bury? Uh, about 10 inches. Oh, I was hoping like five feet. <laughs> make her work for yeah. No, but she dug it out of the ground. And it was, I, but when she finally turned around, it was dark, but I was on my knees. It was, it was pretty great. That's but cool. this guy. All he, <laughs> this guy wrote, will you marry me uh -huh. on the turbo blades of a new turbo with a ring sitting on it for his girlfriend and gave it to her for her truck. One car enthusiast decided to incorporate his and hers shared love of forced induction by popping the question with a ring and a special note tucked into a KC300X 6373 turbo. That's a pretty big turbo. Arizona-based well, diesel truck. Isn't yeah, the Arizona-based diesel performance retailer, whoever, broke the news that one of its customers bought the $1,190 unit designed for a Ford 7.3-liter power stroke turbo diesel V8 with the intention of using it for a proposed to his girlfriend. It's a sweet story. The couple had been working on building a truck together. She wanted a new turbo. And yes, there was still going to be a ring involved. Upgrades all around. Yes, we wrote, will you marry me on the compressor wheel? So that's good for him. Fortunately, the man's girlfriend loved the idea and immediately said yes, not only to the ring, but also the turbo. Will you <laughs> will you turbo me? <laughs> the man uh, says she can't wait to hear what it sounds like on her truck. I bet the rest of her neighbors can't wait either. <laughs> One of my guys that lives in my neighborhood, I hear the thing coming. I get I get ready to old man myself in my driveway uh -huh. and kind of stand there. I'm like, this dude's going way too fast. And, and he's he, just, and he's just, just like idling by. Yeah, and you hear the thing just, yeah, it sounds like a, a spaceship trying to take off. Do you know the new Cummins, not new, but like the latest gen of Cummins, you can get software that makes it, I forget what they call it, like the jet engine spool. So even at idle, because it's all variable vane turbos, yeah, it, it just, just makes it spool super fast at idle. Just so you get the... Yeah, that's great. It, well, whatever. Those guys like that stuff. That's fine with me. It's just, that's their type of thing. There's guys with, you know, uh, TDI turbo, 
you know, Mark fours that sound like that too. You know, those diesel guys just love to have that noise. I don't, I want my diesel to be as quiet as possible. Um, <laughs> all right. That's it for today. We're done. That's all that's the it? news we got. That's it. We're, we're all out of here on Friday. We have yes. Magnus Walker coming on the podcast interview is done already. Um, if you're a Patreon, you probably will have already heard it. Cause I'm going to post it up a little bit early for those guys. You will really, really enjoy this. So this awesome is one of my interview. favorite interviews. You get to kind of hear about, uh, we didn't talk about Porsche that much. We no, talked it's about, more the story of talk about life and kind of philosophy of, you know, what it takes to go from, uh, you know, a, a guy that's in a, in, in Sheffield, England and, you know, kind of a rough upbringing to uh, where he is today. And it's a really, really good, uh, heartfelt uh, look at Magnus Walker. I really enjoyed the interview quite a bit. So I look forward to sharing it with you guys. We will see you on Friday. Take care. <laughs>